Let's read this, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I realize that I can't hear you in this moment, but I think this is just such a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture that I think we should actually read this together out loud. Okay, so I can't hear you, but you can. So let's go back to the top of this verse, and let's read it again, and let it sink in deep. Here's what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I think there's a couple of things that stand out in this portion of scripture, and there's some other scriptures today that are gonna help us understand this. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's dive right in. Father, help in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Okay, so today... It's very simple. Today we are simply talking about anger and frustration. And the reason that I think it's important to talk about both is, of course, they kind of go together. But maybe for some of you watching, you're not necessarily angered to the point where your face is turning red, you can barely get words out, and you can't compose yourself. Uh, maybe you don't find yourself in that camp too often. Anger isn't really kind of something that really gets you. But maybe frustration is. Maybe for some reason it's, it's like, man, I don't get angry, but yeah, I, I, I do get frustrated. And so I think the two go together, but I want to bunch both of those in because I think there's some principles today in the Bible that, that addresses both of them. Now let's just begin to think about all of the reasons that we can get angry and that we can get frustrated, especially in the times that we, that we find ourselves in here today. I mean, driving in traffic, have you, have you noticed, uh, can make us pretty angry and frustrated. Now here in San Luis Obispo, we don't have too bad of traffic, but if you're going from San Luis Obispo down to Pismo or down to AG, uh, anywhere between four and five, maybe even six o'clock, especially on a Friday, you're gonna experience some traffic and you're gonna experience some people that let's just say don't drive as good as, as you do. So, so that can frustrate us. How about waiting in lines? Have you noticed how waiting in a line can sometimes anger or frustrate you, especially when it's the clerk or it's the people in front of you that just seem to be moving very slow? Maybe you're like me and I'm just gonna throw myself out there, but it's like the people who get change back, you know, people still do paying cash, but they get their change back, they get the receipt back, and rather than walk off and like, I don't know, put it in your purse or put it in your wallet right there. No, they're, they're gonna do it right there. And, and it's like, man, they're, they're trying to stuff it in there. And, I, and you're like, I, I just need to get through the line. Could you go and do that? And it could annoy him. And if I'm the only one who uh, has that issue, pray for your pastor, because if that's all it takes to get me frustrated and angry, that's, that's not good. Uh, if you're a parent or you've been a parent before, you know that sometimes children, um, sometimes inadvertently and sometimes <laughs> on purpose, Man, they can frustrate you. Man, they can anger you. Man, when they don't listen and when you've told them something or when they act a certain way out in public, especially around our friends, man, it, it does that. How about our spouse's habits? Does your spouse have a habit that just frustrates you and sometimes maybe even angers you to the point? Man, let's get, let's get a little bit deeper, especially, especially recently. How about that person's political post? that you don't agree with because you're on one side and they're on another side. 
How about that video that they just posted that seems to debunk everything that that you believe in this moment? Have you noticed how social media has taken on a side of of rage over the course uh, of the past few months to where it's even brought division between believers in Christ because there's, there's different parties. I'm a Republican, they're a Democrat, I'm an independent, and there's all these things going on and frustration and anger begin to take place. How about this one? This one's kind of simple and it might be a little selfish, but you, you can't even just go to a restaurant, actually walk inside of a building, take a seat, order a meal. No, no, you, you gotta sit outside. You've got to be separated six feet. And and I'm not downplaying any of that, but I'm just saying like some of us, like we just miss life and some of the simplicities that life had. And so therefore it frustrates us. And it it even to a degree, it it angers us. If you're a parent and your child is doing digital learning right now, or, or, or maybe you're a kid and you're watching this today with your parents and it's just it's frustrating and you, you get angry. How about your finances? They're dwindling down because work got cut short because of this whole deal going on and you're frustrated and then you're angry because you, you, you don't know what you're gonna do. Here's, here's the truth. We all have issues and we all have things in our life that could bring about frustration and anger and they could, they could bring these things up. And I even too begin to think about even like, like ourselves personally. Like, do you find yourself getting frustrated with yourself? Like, you just can't quite measure up. Or maybe you're a perfectionist, and so you're working on things, but because they're not perfect, you're, you're frustrated, and now you're, you're downplaying yourself, and there, there's just so many issues. Maybe you don't like the way that you look in this time, and you're just, you're just frustrated. You know what? The list can go on and on. We can go from angry to annoyed to irritated to frustrated. And in and, and and reality, man, that could be, that could be dangerous. That, that could cause things to take place in our lives that never should have because we're allowing frustration and we are, are, are allowing anger to be an emotion in our lives that that's not dealt with. Now, in reality, some of us would say, you know, um, there's like obvious things that are really bad. We know murder would be bad. We know that lying would be bad. And we can go all the way down the list of the do's and the don'ts. But when it comes to being upset or when it comes to being frustrated, it, it, it becomes one of those things where we just go, you know what? I, I think it's okay. I think I'm allowed to be this way. I'm allowed to, to let this happen. And, and, and for some, it's, it's become acceptable. You're like, yeah, I've got every right to be mad and angry and frustrated. We've all been there. I think at some point over the course, again, of the past few months, we have maybe said, you know what? I have every right to be angry and to be frustrated. But here and here is where the problem lies. When we allow frustration and when we allow anger to cause us to think things and to say things and to do things that the Bible simply says is not good, then we have come to a place where we've got something to address. Started thinking as I was praying about this week about what to speak on and the Lord just so gently reminded me of all the things that we've talked about um, over this time. Now, we've talked about worry, we've talked about anxiety, and we've talked about doubts, and we've talked about fear, and then we, we got through Easter, and man, God just kind of highlighted, but you know what? I think some of my people, they're frustrated and they're angry, and they don't know what to do about it. And so I felt the Lord just gently leading me 
to talk about this, about this area. And so what I want to do today, and I mean this very respectfully, and I'm, I'm even speaking to myself. I want to speak to the excuses that we have, the excuses that we make that say I have every right to be frustrated and angry to the point, only to the point of thinking, saying, and doing things that are contrary to God's word. Because here's the deal. The Bible has a lot to say about anger in the form that's sinful anger, but it also has something to say about anger that's a righteous anger. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about both, but we're mainly going to focus on, on the side of sinful anger because I think that's the issues that are affecting marriages. Do you know in this time more marriages have suffered and, and, and even caused divorce in this time than ever before? Physical abuse towards children has skyrocketed, even in San Luis Obispo County. I can remember one time talking with our mayor, and she said, you would not believe the amount of calls and things that are going on because of domestic abuse, spousal abuse, all these issues going on. It's crazy because people are angry, and they're frustrated, and they don't know what to do with it. So, so let's go to the scripture real quick. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It's going to come up on the screen. Watch what it says. It says, be angry. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, I can be angry. However, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So, so in other words, you may feel angry. But if you don't have the wrong response, what the scripture is saying is you're not sinning. It's saying be angry, but, but do not sin. Now, there's an interesting little word in this passage of scripture that is so good that I want to share it to you. Notice again the line that says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, that word foothold is, is a Greek word called topos, T-O-P-O-S, topos. And it literally means an opportunity, a location or even more specifically, a room. So let's look at the verse, and here's what it's saying. In other words, it's saying, in your anger, don't give the devil a guest room in your heart. Man, that's powerful. In other words, yeah, there are some things that are taking place that, man, they anger me. I'm frustrated by it, but don't sin. Man, I'm, I'm angry that this is going on. But, but, don't, but don't talk to a person in a way that's demeaning and not honoring. I, I'm, I'm upset that I have to do the A, B, C, and D. I'm upset that I got to go to DMV and I got to stand outside and it takes eight to nine hours just to get in. I'm angry. Yeah, but you know what? Don't take it out on that person who's getting ready to serve you after the eight hours. Hi, Cindy. We love you. Don't do it. It's saying you can be angry but, but don't sin about it. Don't, don't go about it in a, a destructive ways, okay? So let's think about this for a moment, okay? Let's talk about two types of people who, who deal with anger in two different ways. And maybe one of these ways um, kind of describes you. I know it, I know it describes me. I'm, I'm going to let it out here in just a moment. But these are kind of two ways, um, that two destructive ways that people deal with anger. I want you to write this down. Here's what you need to know. There are stewers and then there are spewers. Okay, so stewers and then there are spewers. Okay, let's, let's talk first about the spewers. What do spewers do? Okay, write this down. Spewers express their anger. Again, spewers express 
their anger. And I would probably say uh, they don't express it in a really nice way. It's probably more like erupt, explode, or whatever thing you want to put in there. In other words, a situation takes place and a spewer in their anger just explodes and words just begin to come out. It's kind of like their, their natural thing. Now notice the words of Proverbs 29:11. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. In other words, when you spew out an anger, the Bible says right here, I didn't say it, but the Bible says it, it's like you're, you're a fool because you, you can't harness it in. You, you, you can't tape, you can't be a wise man who's able to restrain what it is they're feeling. In another translation, it says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Now, over the, over the course of the past 13 years, uh, in my marriage, going on 14 this December, which I'm really excited about. Um, I have, I've been married to Vanessa and Vanessa has had a front row uh, seat to the, the younger, the more immature, the more angry, and especially the more aggressive rich kind of in our, our earlier years of, of marriage. Now, I will say I've gotten better, but I still have some work to do. But man, in those first, first couple years, man, she got to see sides of me that were, that were pretty crazy. You've heard me share this story before, but I'm gonna give you some examples of, 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 of spewer rich. I, I'm, a, I'm a spewer. There, there's a spewer and there's a stewer. I'm definitely, if it's in here, it's coming out. And uh, half the time, if not more than the time, I gotta come back and I gotta clean things up a little bit. But there's a, there's a, there's a rich known as engaged rich. Now you've heard me tell the story, but I'll keep it short. Santa Cruz, California. I proposed to Vanessa, want her to be my wife. She said, yes, it was amazing. And then we're going out to dinner. We're on a college age camping trip uh, with about 40 other people. We're going to a restaurant and on the freeway in that area, we're talking traffic. And now, you know, now we're getting some of you like, oh boy, he's talking about traffic. I, I know where he's going with this one. And to make a long story short, there was a person in front of me who decided that I am apparently number one in their book. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what does the newly engaged at the time youth pastor of a church, what does he do? He's not the wise man who keeps calm and does whatever. No, no, no. On a five-lane freeway, highway, whatever you want to call it, expressway, at a stop, I jump out of my truck. Out of my truck. Our church secretary's in the back. I jump out of my truck. I start walking towards the vehicle because they told me that I'm number one, and I wanted to make sure that I understood that right, and they started rolling up their window. I said, no, no, no. I go, you told me I'm number one. I just want to talk about it. Well, they didn't want to talk about it, so therefore, what does the spewer do? I start kicking in the side of their car from the, from the driver's door side all the way to the back. Get back to my truck sit there, shut the door, and all of a sudden realize, what in the world did I just do? Now, I look over at Vanessa. <laughs> Keep in mind, she just said yes. I look in my mirror, and I look at our secretary, and she's got a look on her face like, what in the world did you just do? Engagement Rich had a problem and therefore was a fool. So there's that guy. 
There, there's also softball rich. Now, softball rich is the guy who's bitter about the fact that he didn't make professional baseball, so now he loses himself in slow-pitch softball, which he said he would never do, and she would come out to these games, and she would see the competitive side to me that could not keep my mouth shut because I was so into it, and I was so passionate. She's got to see that. Also, bulk up rich. Yeah, yeah, bulk up rich started traveling with a group of guys that were 250 to 285 pounds. I'm at the time 145 pounds, so what do I do? I get in the gym, I get on supplements, and I blow up to like 185 pounds. I'm working out twice a day, and for whatever reason, whether it was supplements or was whatever, Rich was aggressive, and it was bad. And then there was the exhausted, insecure Rich. This was the guy who was afraid to tell people no. Leaders no. People in the church know because he didn't want to let people down or he didn't want to come across as the guy who couldn't handle a lot of stress. And she got to see that side. And through all of those personalities and through all of those moments, Vanessa got a front row seat to a guy who was a quick-tempered spewer from his mouth. And I guess I could say I'm ashamed of it. I'm not proud of it. Even times in being married and being a dad and, and whatever, where you, you just you spew. You have things, anger and frustration sets in and, and things begin to come out. Man, I've done, I've done all of those. And I share that with you um, just to let you know that, man, if that's your struggle, you're not alone. And as we'll talk about here a little bit later on, though, there is some things that we can do about that. But notice the words of Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly and a man of wicked intentions is hated. So those, those are the spewers. Okay, but let's talk about the second one. Let's talk about the stewards. You say, what does that mean? Well, a steward, they suppress their anger. They suppress it. If spewers get it out in words, a steward sits back and they push it all down really deep. They don't have the conversations. Could be for a lot of reasons, but they stew on it. There was even a time in David's life, Psalm 32, 3, when I kept silent, when I suppressed, my bones grew, grew old through my groaning all the day long. Now, now stewards, let me just tell you, it, you know, it's kind of crazy. I think I've been this at sometimes too, but I'm, I'm more of a spewer. But stewards, what they do is they internalize everything. Matter of fact, some stewards, not all stewards, but some stewards, they have really great conversations or for a lack of better words, fights with their spouse. The problem is their spouse just doesn't know it because the fight takes place up here. Matter of fact, if you're a steward, you, you, you could just be at home and your, your, your spouse has done something that just frustrates you and you know they're coming home from work or from whatever. And all of a sudden, man, you are having a fight in your head. You're going through everything and you're saying this and you're saying that. And then all of a sudden, your spouse walks in the door to find you just like this. And they're just like, what's going on? You're like, I'll tell you what's going on. And then you finally, you know, kind of let it all out. But you, you, you stew on these things and you, you keep them in. And the, and the problem is, is, is both of those are really bad. There's even a story in the Bible. It's on the prodigal son. We're going to be talking about this next week in our brand new series. I don't want you to miss it, but it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. But there's the story of the prodigal, and we know the story. He goes to his father. He asks for his inheritance, which he would not receive until his father passed on in customs. So pretty much, hey, dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my money. I want to go out and do what I want. So the father does, and the son goes out, and he wasted all on crazy living, drinking, partying, 
uh, with women. I mean, it was, it was bad. He ends up losing it all. And when the money run, runs out, the friends run out. And the next thing you know, he's looking for a job. He's feeding pigs and then he's eating their food. And he has this thought to himself that even his father's hired servants, man, they, they have some stuff. Notice that he was a son, but now he's calling himself a servant. Going to talk about that next week. And so all of a sudden he's like, man, I'll just go back home. So he goes back home, the father comes out, and before he can even get his excuse out, the father says, no, pretty much forgives him, kisses him, gets the robe, gets the sandals, gets the ring. Phenomenal story. And we read that story, and we're like, oh, man, that is, that is such a good story of God's, of God's grace. Man, that's awesome. But there's another character in the Bible, and that's the brother. And the brother did the right thing. The brother stayed home. The brother did his chores. The brother did what was right. He knew his inheritance didn't come until dad moved on. So he does the right thing. So all of a sudden, there's this scenario going on. The dad is just like, we're going to party big, and we're going to do this for him. And this brother's going like, I, I, I don't even get that, man. This, he, this kid goes out, dad, and he, he squanders everything, and now you just forgive him, and you, you throw a party. Now, now look here. It's fascinating. Luke 15, 28. What, what's it say? But he was angry and would not go in. And therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. What did he do? Stewing it in. He's a stewer. In his anger, he's like, I'm not getting around that. I'm distancing myself. I'm suppressing this. He suppressed it and he pushed his emotions down. But here's the thing. There's two things that happen. Number one, it's going to mess you up on the inside, no matter who you are. It's one thing to suppress something so you can think it through, so you can have a future conversation. I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. Sometimes we need to slow down and and stew a little bit. It's when you never have the conversations. It's when you keep it to yourself. All that frustration and that anger that's built up, you keep it. It's going to mess you up from the inside. And then here's the reality. It's going to come out sooner or later. It, it always does. So we have spewers and we have stewards. And by the way, it's really hard to say that without messing it up. And here's the reality. Both of them, when walked out incorrectly, it, it's, it's hard. Okay, so the question now becomes, the question becomes this. What do we do with our anger? If you're watching this today and frustration and anger have grabbed you, this is the part that I do not want you to miss because I want you to get some things that you can do to deal with this anger the right way. Now, here's what's interesting to note. Interesting thought. 15 times in the Bible, Scripture talks about anger with the metaphor or the analogy of of a fire. Now, Now, think about this paradox because in one way, a fire is life-giving. If you live in northern Alaska and you don't have fire, at some point, you're going to die. If you don't have fire, you can't boil your water. You can't cook your food. You can't stay warm. Without fire, you cease to exist. But on the other side, as we're finding out here in California, coming off of a crazy week, a fire can be massively destructive. It can rip homes. It can burn them down. It can take life. 
So it's weird that you have this fire that can do good, but you also have this fire that can do bad. And that really is the lesson of the Bible, uh, uh, is that there's a good anger, there's a righteous anger which pushes you to do things for God. But there's a sinful anger that causes sin and brings separation and distance in your life. So let's talk about that side, because that's really what we're dealing with here. We're talking about the sinful side. So, so what do you do? Okay, if anger's an issue, what do you do? Well, here's how you deal with sinful anger. Number one is you put it out. In other words, you're going to have to learn to become a person of self-control. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 14, this is an interesting passage of scripture here. It says, starting a quarrel, and a quarrel would be like an angry conversation or an issue. Starting a, a, a fight or a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Now, now think about this. Think about the pressure of water that's on the other side of a dam before that water is released. Man, it will wipe anything out. It's a powerful force. So starting a quarrel, starting a fight, starting an issue, posting that post that doesn't reveal the nature of God in your life and the gentleness and the meekness in your life, posting something with a, with a negative, well, I'm going to prove them wrong, with a negative side is dangerous. It's, it's right here. What, what does it say? It's like a breaching dam. You know what that does? It takes people out. See, sometimes those things need to be said. I'm going to be honest with you. They need to be said. But how you say it is massively important. The, the, your heart and the position that it's in before you make that post or before you have that conversation or before you deal with that issue is absolutely everything. You want to know why we have a hard time coming to a place of reconciliation with people when there's friction? It's because we don't have a habit of coming to people with love. We don't have a habit of praying for that person. We don't have a habit of saying, hey, God, you know what? On this issue, if there's anything inside of me that's wrong, Lord, would you just correct it right now? You know, the reason a lot of marriages can't have a fair fight is it's because their heart isn't right going into a conversation. It's like breaching of water coming in. No one can survive that. So here's the deal. If you have anger, Scripture says, drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Man, that just got really heavy, by the way. <laughs> I didn't expect that to get that heavy. But here's the deal. With sinful anger, you have to have self-control, and you've, you've got to put it out. Okay, secondly, let's write, let's write this down, okay? This one's important. Don't believe the lie that it's just the way you are. When it comes to sinful anger, let me just tell you right now, don't believe the lie that, it, that, it, that it's just the way that you are. Because so many times we will chalk this up to, well, that's just the way God made me. I'm just a passionate person. I just got to get it all out. Here's, no, that's not always the case. A matter of fact, I would say most of the time, that's not the case. You could be a passionate person, but not come across with anger towards your brother or towards your sister or towards your spouse or towards your children or through your coworkers. You can be a passionate person that can control that. But when we buy into the lie, it says, well, that's just the way that I am. Most of the time, respectfully, that's a cop-out. That is not wanting to mature 
in the things of God. I'm going to share a story with you about the life of Peter. But here's the deal. God didn't make you that way. God did not make you to explode and then pretend like everything's okay. It's not how it works. Self-control. So how does this play out? Could be like in the illustration of me hopping out of my vehicle and, you know, trying to have a quote-unquote conversation with a person who just told me I'm number one. Which, by the way, what if we replace that with just this right here? I'm just, that's for a whole other conversation. Okay, somebody does something wrong, just that right there. Anyways, moving on, okay? So, so how does this play out? What if, watch here, what if, if someone said something to you or did something to you that instead of just flipping out and getting angry, just like they are, by the way, what if this came to your mind? You know, I wonder what's causing them to drive through so fast in traffic that they would actually cut me off. I wonder what's, what's going on in their life right now. Why are they in such a hurry? What if? Well, what if that coworker who just seems to always just talk your ear off all the time and all you keep going is, man, are they ever going to stop? What if that conversation with you was the only adult conversation that single mother had before she goes home to three kids under the age of five and has no husband around because he took off? Can I just say this? And I know it's kind of, you got, you, got to, you got to play this right. What if we gave people the benefit of the doubt? What if we did that? What if instead of jumping to conclusions in our anger and frustration, that we just thought for a moment, you know what, God? There could be something going on in their life right now that I have no clue of. And they could be hurting hopeless, desperate, depressed. What if we gave people the benefit of the doubt? I think, I think we would see a much different world than we, than we see right now. It's just my opinion. Okay, so how do we work on our anger? I don't normally give a lot of points in a message, but today I am because this is a topic to work on, okay? And here's the, here's the great part. You don't have to work on this by your own. So I'm going to give you some things that you can do, and I'm going to give you a scripture to support. So I want you to get ready to write this down because I'm going to go through it quick, okay? How do we work on our anger? Number one is we ask God to forgive us. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you have allowed your anger and frustration and it has caused you to sin, the very first step is to take it to God. Ask for forgiveness. And the great hope is this. If you confess, you can be forgiven. Secondly, number two, is we ask those we've hurt with our anger to forgive us. So we go to God for forgiveness of sin, but then you know what we gotta do? We gotta go to that person. We gotta go to our children. We gotta go to our boss. We gotta go to that community member. We gotta go there and say, hey, look, would you just forgive me? Look at this, this illustration here in Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, 
leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Now, there is a lot to unpack in that scripture right there, but in its simplicity form, we are to be in a good place with our brothers and sisters, no matter who they are. And if not, we need to go make it right. We need to have a conversation. We need to hop on the phone. That's what we have to do, okay? Number three is we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. The Bible says in Galatians 5, through 25, you guys know it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control, frustration comes, anger comes, the Holy Spirit gives me self-control. Now, look at verse 24. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What that scripture is saying is you don't get to be the person who lashes out in anger and justifiably do it so. No, 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 no. We've given that up because we belong to Christ. So we ask the Holy Spirit to help. Number four is we get in community and we ask for accountability. James 5, 16, therefore, confess your sins. One translation says false. One to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You say, why do we do groups at Canyon Hills, San Luis Obispo? Why do we have a, a woman's group kicking off this week? Why do we have a men's group? Why do we have an outreach group? Here's why, so that you can get in community and you can have some accountability. That's why, for, for me personally, our, our Thursday night men's group, man, it's a place for us men to grow in the knowledge of God's word, to challenge one another, but it's also to be accountable. For some of you, the next, you're, you're good at saying, hey, God, forgive me. You're good at saying, hey, so-and-so, would you forgive me? You, you're working on, okay, Holy Spirit, have your work, but you know what you're missing? You're missing community, and that's a part of the puzzle. I don't know if the puzzle is the right word, but that's a, that's a piece of the puzzle. You need that in your life. You need community. So maybe the first step when we get done today is you go to our website today and you get signed up for a group, a women's group or a men's group or an outreach group. I think it'd be pretty cool. We'd love to have you there. Okay, then number five. Now this one, this one's kind of different, but I like it. Number five is this, is you rack up victories and remember them. You rack up victories and remember them. You are gonna need when frustration or anger comes, you're gonna need the ability to say, hey, you know what? I've conquered this before. When frustration set in, nope, nope, nope. Nope, I, I, I didn't spew, I didn't stew. <laughs> no, no, no. I composed myself. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. And you got some victories. You gotta rack up some victories and you gotta remember them. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, let me, let me just end with this example of, I, I've sat on this for, for months now, for months. I used to buy into the lie that said, you know, that's just the way that I am. I saw a person post this on, on social media not too long ago, and they were talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm just a passionate person. And because of that, you know, I just, I just lash out, and then I say things, and I got to come back, and I've got to kind of clean it up a little bit. And and I said, man, I, yeah, I kind of thought that too. Until one day, I'm reading in the book of Acts. And the disciples, and they're all in the upper room, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, a guy by the name of Peter walked down the steps as the crowd was mocking them 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in other tongues. And the crowd was mocking them. And then it says this. Peter comes down. And he has a conversation. You say, okay, Pastor Rich, what's, what's the big deal about that? What was Peter like before encountering the Holy Spirit? Let's, let's go back to the New Testament. Peter was the guy who was the spewer. Peter was the guy who would pop off at the mouth. Peter was the passionate, overly hyped, for lack of better terms, crazy guy who would spew off in anger or, or passion, a kind of anger passion, and he would do things. Need I say more? They came to arrest Jesus, which Jesus said was going to happen. Peter grabs a sword and cuts off a dude's ear. Peter could have said, well, it's just the way that I am. And at that time, guess what? He was. He was that passionate, loud, aggressive, that's just the way that I am. Until he experienced, number one, the forgiveness of Jesus, and number two, the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit leads and guides us in all truth. Peter matured. In one situation, cutting off ears. In another situation, when being mocked, he comes down very calm, very cool, and very collective. He has a conversation. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if you're watching this today and frustration and anger is a challenge, God's not done with you. The Holy Spirit can help you, but do not buy into the lie that just says, what? Well, it's just the way that I am. It's not the way that you are. You are a child of God who needs, and I need, to mature in the area of frustration and of anger.